Welcome to the Selling Without Sleeves podcast with me, Sarah Jolly Jarvis. I'm here to share with you real life stories from high performing salespeople and business owners, as well as my own insights and learnings around what's working well right now in the sales world, telling things like it is without the sleeves. Hello everybody and welcome to today's podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Jolly Jarvis, and today we are going to be talking about getting your head in the right place to sell. And, you know, everyone can totally appreciate that, you know, you're in a hurry, you're distracted, you haven't prepared, things aren't going to necessarily go as well as you'd hope. And so in a world where more and more um, it's difficult to get in front of customers, it's more competitive to get in front of customers, it potentially costs you more to get in front of those customers, you want to be making the most of that opportunity. So how do you get your head in the right place? And, you know, the older I get, the more I can appreciate the impact that mindset has on everything that you do. Um, the, the difference that I see between people who are doing well and people who aren't doing so well um, isn't talent, it isn't ability, um, it's a lot about what's going on in their head. And so today we are going to talk through how to get yourself mentally prepared to smash that sales call, okay? But before that, obviously, as per usual, we are going to go through uh, and talk around top level what's going on in Selling Without Sleeves World as a bit of an update for you. So. With the funnel tweaks continue. Uh, we're working on the messaging. Messaging is super important. I tell you messaging is super important. I tell you your ideal clients are super important. And that's what we're looking at at the moment. We are trying to focus in on and get the messaging right for selling without sleeves. If we can get that messaging right for our funnel, then that will enable us to um, cut through the noise within the market and hopefully cost us less. It's all about that cost of customer acquisition and that initial purchase from that customer getting into our world. We need to get that price down as much as we can obviously loads of different things are happening external things are happening on platforms and so you know to make this work um we have to allow for those things we can't control how much um it costs to to sell on certain platforms we know where our ideal client is um but um it's the cost of doing that marketing on that platform in the niche that we are working on and so and that is what we're doing we're working on that message so hopefully it will relate more and that will result in better conversions it'll better it'll help us with the ads um and it'll uh, pull the right people through onto the landing page so um that that continues but you know it's it's nothing i i do what i I tell clients to do, I look at my ideal client, I look at my messaging, um, I look at how we can tweak that, what's going on for my clients at the moment, what's going on for my ideal clients that I haven't yet got into my world, um, so that I can relate to them and I can put out relevant resources and information to attract them and show them that I am the best option for them. Um, talking around clients, I've had a client who's done amazingly well um, with engagement on TikTok. Um, has that resulted in sales yet? No. Is it too early? Yes. But is it something to be aware of? And what I wanted to touch on there was the fact that this person, you know, if you look at TikTok, if you look at people who are adopting it, um, you know, there is certain issues. People are like, oh, it's for the younger people, but it is, you know, that the older people are gravitating onto it too, depending on where your idea, who your ideal customer is. Um, it's creating relevant information, relevant resources to attract those people into your world. Um, and, you know, it is a more cost-effective option if that platform is somewhere where your ideal customer hangs out. You've also got to weigh up that actually maybe there's fewer of them, but if it's less costly to get in front of them, then does it does it make sense to include that in your approach? And, and that's the key thing, guys, is it's not, I wouldn't ever advocate 
doing one single channel because what happens you know have no control over that channel what happens if something goes wrong with it and so you know testing different channels having your key ones but also testing new ones is a good idea and when I say testing you want to be trying things out for two to three months consistently based on information based on guidance from somebody who knows what they're doing within that industry um, using that sector that using that platform and um, if you can't get that sort of support um, you know there is free information out there but you want to know you're doing a reasonably good job um, even if it's copying um, looking at the the what people other people are putting out and copying that same pattern not necessarily their content be original decide on your own but look at what they're doing the way that they're posting um, and, and see if that works for you but you know there's plenty of, of um, guidance out there be it formal or informal for you to to test out and see what works but the thing is is to be consistent with that if you're not consistent have you truly tested it um so they are getting some decent tra you know traction with it so it is worth um giving it a well has it related into sales at the moment no it hasn't but we have seen an uptake um of responses and follows on other platforms so maybe it's a feeder in, um, but we don't know until we try and we do further work on it. I found a great venue this morning that I've um, that I've gone to visit um, for the videos. So it'll be for ads and also for VSL um, for the landing page. So um, once again, we are recording, we are re-recording, re we are tweaking that. And so um, it's a great venue to do that. There's also, we're busy within the office um, because... Uh, we've got more and more uh, inquiries coming through um, this time of year. Lots of people are looking at paid advertising. They're looking at making a difference in their business. Um, and so we've got lots of inquiries, um, lots of people dipping their toe, finding out more information, um, you know, and, and being aware of that, guys, and thinking about that for your own business. You'll have times of year where people, things get onto the people's radars. Um, just because those people are inquiring, doesn't mean that they're in a position to buy. That doesn't mean that they're in the right position to, to work with. Um, but it is where there's increased noise. So sometimes it's a case of understanding, you know, what we've got more inquiries than normal. And um, do I need to provide some sort of information so people aren't necessarily taking up all my time with their inquiries, but they're educating themselves first with this bit of information. Just something to keep in mind. Um, if you do get an influx of, of kind of not tire kickers, but people who are testing the water, they're, they're not serious about moving on it right now, but they want to inform themselves better. Is there a way to best serve those people without taking up too much of your time um, so that you can ensure you do have availability, you do have time available to speak to people who are in a position to move on things now? So um, worth thinking about. So I was what the, the topic for today came around because I was chatting to a really lovely lady this week regarding sales and mindset and people's thought processes on sales. Obviously, I am a massive fan of you know selling in your own style and approaching people and letting people know about what you do so that that person knows how you can potentially help them. Now, the thing is, is that it's very British for people to be like, oh, I don't want to bother them. I'm bothering them. I'm taking up their time. I've got my own agenda. I want to sell them stuff. And, you know, I'm just getting in the way of that person. It's very easy to think that you're bothering them rather than actually thinking, you know what, I've got a really decent solution to what I believe is their problem. And therefore, you know, they should want to know about it. I'm making it as easy as possible for them to find out about it. And that's the way we're going. And, and people's responses to posting, people's response to, to emailing and putting information out there is all, oh, you know, people don't like it if you do too much. How much do you think people actually see? How much do you think people then notice? Um, even when you're having a conversation with somebody, they only remember 35% of that conversation. And that the, the, the length of time it takes for that to go downhill and remember even less is actually really frighteningly short. And so, 
um, you know, by the end of this podcast, you might not even remember some of the bits that I said at the beginning if somebody was asking you to recall them. So why do you think that actually you are taking up so much of this person's airtime? You're committing your time into the cause. Is your information as freely available to them? Is it in front of them as much as you believe it is? Bear in mind, at the end of the day, they have a you have a solution. Okay, so you're wandering around with a solution. You have a a solution to a problem. Yeah. So um, imagine it like they have a closed lock and you have the key. Yeah. You're wandering around with this key and this key is a master key. You can use it in most people's locks. Yeah. There's a as long as they've got that type of that type of lock, you can help them unlock it with your key. Yeah. Your customer is holding this lock. They want to use this lock. But without that key, it is useless to them. Okay. who needs who more? Now, this is the same with your solution that you are providing for your customer, be that a product or a service. You have a solution and they have a problem. It might be a want. It might be a need. Um, it's it's something is an absence of something. It's an absence of a solution. It might not be a massive problem. OK, and there are different nuances and, and, and shades of gray in this. But at the end of the day, um, you they have a problem. Um, they have a need that isn't met. They need a solution and you believe you have that solution. Now, if that's the case, then they definitely need you more than you need them because you could go off and you could find somebody else with a similar need, a similar problem. OK, so it's very much like dating in that you kind of set the scene and you want to start as, as you mean to go on. Um, if you are too needy, if you're too apologetic, you're going to put yourself in that position and people will continue to treat you like that. If you find that our oh, customers always treat me badly, they always take advantage of me, they never appreciate me, they're always ringing me day and night. You're consistently either choosing to work with the wrong people, which is under your control and something you can do about about it, or you're setting that relationship up wrong. OK, we are not in a transactional scenario. OK, the people that I tend to work with aren't people who it's a single transaction. That customer disappears and never to be seen again. OK, they are relationship building. And so they are either working with that person long term or they're providing um, something that they will continue. There will be repeat business off the back of. And so in that scenario, you want to set the scene for that relationship. OK, one of the ways that you can set the scene, because it's all well and good me going, oh, you don't want to do this. You don't want to do that. But what do you want to do then? Well, what you do want to do is you want to be setting the scene. You want to provide clarity. You want to to be, to be clear on on how you want to be treated, how communication, etc., etc. creating boundaries. OK, it is like dating. One of the things that you can do is to not thank people. OK, for giving you their time. Thank you for your time. What does that imply? OK, it's polite. And I get we say it without even thinking about actually how it's presenting us um, or, or, you know, reflecting on the scenario. But if that person is um, if you're providing the solution. OK, so a doctor, a doctor doesn't thank you for the, your time. Thank you for coming along today. Thank you for your time, because that doctor is providing you with a solution. OK, you're normally going, oh, thank you, doctor, for your time. Yeah. Even if, you know, in some countries you're paying for that doctor, if you're paying privately, but you're, 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 you're there being ever so thankful and grateful. Um, again, a very British trait. Um, so, you know, it's a bit like being bumped into and then you apologise when they bumped into you. What's that all about? But back to the main point is if you are there thanking them, then it implies that, you know, they have gone out of their way um, to, to, to accommodate you. You are holding the key. They are holding the lock. 
That has been locked shut. They need your key. So who is it that needs who? Who should be thanking who? That's one thing that you can do because that normally happens right at the beginning of the conversation. That can actually be one of the first things people say. Thank you for your time. Um, so another thing is the, the mutual respect. So that might be that person not showing up on time. That might be that person ringing you out of hours. That might be that person demanding extra stuff. Okay, sometimes when you take on a client, you know right from the word go, mm, that's they're going to be hard work. This person is going to be high maintenance. Now, some people reflect that in charging them more. So, you know, if they were happy, if I charged them 10 times more, would I still feel like this? No, I wouldn't. Okay, so increase your pricing. Your pricing is therefore wrong. Um, and so people have a price for higher maintenance and more demanding clients because they know they're going to end up spending more time with them. And that needs to be reflected in the price that they pay because they're taking up the time that you could be spending working with somebody else or developing your business um, and finding more suitable clients. So you either reflect it in your price or you choose not to work with them or you set boundaries. So setting a boundary, they ring, they ring you. I had a client recently who was ringing me on my personal phone purely because I didn't have the sales phone with me. And so I decided to use my own phone for the initial call that we had. Um, and then obviously from there, they had my phone number and they would regularly ring me. Now, I, in the end, chose not to answer and I would message back on the medium that I was working on uh, with them so they had they were um, a one-to-one -one client so they were able to access me on google chat um, and so I would respond they'd leave a voicemail and I would respond to that voicemail on google chat so after a while that person understood that actually if they wanted to get through to me the best thing they could do was to google chat me because if they google chatted me I would be more responsive if they left me a voicemail then I would wait until I had a time where which would be longer than what I would respond for Google Chat, um, so that it was less responsive. And people will learn. You don't necessarily have to address this head on, okay? But what you want to do is it's all well and good getting these clients, but if you get clients and then they run you ragged, um, is that the business that you're wanting? Is that the life that you're wanting? And so, you know, sometimes it's like any relationship, people have to provide boundaries and provide those healthy boundaries. Um, and then, you know, you can you can have a better relationship. At the end of the day, you want to enjoy working with these people. And these people want you to enjoy working with them. I'm sure there are very few clients out there who want to be difficult. Um, they just become difficult for whatever reason. If you have a difficult client, always really useful to determine um, you know, where did I, what did I, how did I participate in this? What did I do? But anyway, I have digressed because we are talking about mindset going into a sales call. Okay. That mindset for going into the sales call, it is, you know, it's a mutually beneficial, what you're looking for is a mutually beneficial relationship. You, your question, your thought process as you go into this is, is this going to be mutually beneficial? Is there anything that's flagging to me that this isn't going to be beneficial for me? If this is going to be hard work, if the only thing you're getting from that relationship is the money, and then after that, it's going to be all downhill. Do you want to take that client on? Okay. And what I'm doing here is I'm wanting, I'm encouraging you to balance up your thought process so that you don't go into a call. Even if you do need the money, even if you do need that client, you don't go in there with a, you know, whatever it is, I'll put up with it. Um, I was talking today to um, some clients um, and on, my, on the Accelerator program um, and they're doing the, the group version. And with <laughs> And we was I was saying to them that the thing with, um, you know, Richard Branson, he always gets quoted with that quote. Well, not always, but one of his quotes, one of his big quotes is um, say yes and then figure out how to do it. Um, I really don't like that quote um, because, you know, 
So a builder that says, yeah, I can perform brain surgery for you. Okay. Um, you can't, okay. You can't say yes and then wing it. That's not a wingable scenario. What would be a wingable scenario is for a bricklayer to go, you know what? I can build you that wall having never built one before, or I can build you that house having never done one on his own before. Okay. So you're looking at stuff within your skill set. Um, so, you know, it's that mindset thing of you're going in there and you're thinking, you know, is this where the direction I want to go in? Is this the person that I want to be working with? Do I want to be um, working with this person longer term? Are they asking me? Are they expecting from me what I want to be performing? And that's the thing is, is sometimes it's, you know, it's just a mismatch. Um, I had a client a few years ago now who had a business that actually it evolved into something they didn't want to do because they listened to customers. They provided customers with what they wanted. And before you knew it, it looked totally different to the business they set out to achieve. Um, they weren't happy with that. They didn't enjoy it. And so if you're not enjoying it, why are you doing it? Um, you know, if you're just doing it for the money, I'm sure there are easier things to do. Um, what you're aiming for here is you're aiming for that testimonial. You're not aiming for that transaction. You're not aiming to wing and wing it. You're looking for, can I get the outcome that person's after? Can I produce a really decent testimonial with this person? Because a decent testimonial is the point at which you think, yeah, this has been beneficial for us both. Um, because I've got that transaction, they've got their outcome, and we've both got such a good outcome that they have provided me with a great testimonial that I can then go on to find more people in their position um, to provide that same outcome for. So, um, you know, have that as your reference point. Can I get a decent testimonial from this person? Okay. Um, if you can't, if that you're not, you know, you can be not convinced and you can ask more questions about it, but what you don't want is a, an outright firm no. And then take that person on. What are you doing? You've got to question yourself with that one. OK, so it's a vetting process. It is like dating. OK, you are deciding if you can work with them. They are deciding if they can work with you. You're deciding if you're the right person for them. They're deciding if you're the right person for them. OK, so determine if it's mutually beneficial and have a clear plan going into the call. Um, you are driving this. You do this all the time. OK, maybe you don't. Maybe you have to practice loads between calls because you don't have that many at the moment. But the thing is, is that you are the person that they have come to and say so they want to feel confident and you're providing them confidence by providing them with a clear path, with a clear explanation. You're managing the situation because you know what you're doing um, and you want to give them that sense of you knowing what you're doing. Um, Listen to your gut. If you haven't got that already from, from what I've been saying, um, it is really important to listen to your gut. Um, if your gut is telling you, I'm not convinced about this person, I'm not sure that um, they're the right person to take on, I think they're going to be problematic, then, you know, take that into consideration and make it a deciding factor. Um, if you need to get more clarity, if you're not sure about that person, if you've got that kind of like um, feeling going on, of I'm not sure, then what do you need in order to be sure um, and I think sometimes people are frightened to go there because they are worried that they might uncover this person isn't appropriate and they'd rather just think that they are um, because they'd, they'd, like, they'd like the money, they need the money. Um, but trust me, if you can take on, if you can walk away from somebody who isn't a good fit um, and spend that time, particularly if they were going to be um, very demanding, you could spend that time finding the right person. And, and we have done that and, and clients have done that time and time again. Um, and they've been in a position then where they've got the results and that's really helped them rather than hindered them. Um, if you're just looking at the pound signs, um, you know, be realistic as you go into that relationship that it's going to be harder work. You want to be clear on the next steps in the process. 
Okay, you want to practice that. You want to think, well, if this person says this, I'm going to recommend that. If they're, if they're looking at this, then I'm going to state that. Because what you're looking for is to enable that person to move along the process. If they ask the question about the process and, and you don't actually respond, you don't provide clarity, then um, they're not going to, you're not going to fill them with, um, with confidence. Okay, it's more important than ever to research. So, you know, researching a the individual be prepared going into that meeting if you feel unprepared if you feel like you're not sure if you'd like to find out more if you're you know you're making assumptions um do the research spend the time it only has to be like 15 20 minutes before a call um for you to recap on previous conversations or do a bit of research to understand that person more but it can make you feel more confident okay knowledge is power and therefore you feel better you feel more in control when you have that knowledge and they're coming to you as the expert. You don't want to put yourself on a back foot by not being up there with what's going on. Ask yourself, is this person going to get the results? If you think, you know, if you take nothing else from this podcast today, um, take that thought process of sense checking with yourself when you have these conversations with people. Is this person going to give me that testimonial? If they can give you that testimonial, um, then, you know, you want to be working with them. Um, you then you're going to have that mindset. You're going to have that outlook. Um, don't put yourself on a back foot would be the other thing that I would ask you please to take away. Um, remember, you hold the key. They've got that lock padlock. Okay, you've got that master key. It can open any padlock of that brand. Okay, they are not your only option. So don't treat them like they are. Um, it affects the relationship going forwards and it affects that sales call and it affects your own confidence because you're kind of feeling like you're on the chase. Um, rather than this being what it is, which is an opportunity to understand where that customer's at and get to know them that little bit more. So next week, we're going to be talking about the three things that you can do if you want to close a client. So if you are in a position where you're like, oh, I get to this conversation, the point of the conversation, and I don't go on to close that person, they kind of just peter off and they disappear. Um, then how to prevent that from happening, how to make sure that you have a firm close at the end of your sales call, um, or at least they're moving on to the next step. They're progressing towards that sale. Um, so the top three things that I would recommend you do in order to help yourself to make that happen. In the meantime, guys, thank you so much for listening and happy selling. Thanks for listening to the Selling Without Sleeves podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you're listening from to leave us a review. It's a good way for us to know what you like so we can create more of it.